Psalm 32, please. Verses 8 and 9. Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. Hopefully everybody's doing good tonight. You had a good day? Still a little chilly out there? Getting some fake out days with those 65, 70 degree weather? Title of tonight's message is are your eyes on the same page are your eyes on the same page what we don't know makes us vulnerable to deception what we don't know makes us vulnerable to deception we need a leader but no man woman or government can fulfill this role. Only Jesus, he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. I vote for Jesus as president of the United States. I pray for Mr. Obama, but my vote is for Jesus and any man, woman, or ideology that follows him, capital H-I-M. So many things, I think as a teacher and a coach, and even when you were little boys and girls, whether you were jumping rope, playing jacks, flipping cards, um, shooting a basketball, hitting a baseball, trying to catch a, or throw a football, your eyes were on the target. Timing was very important. You had to see, the, if I was throwing the ball to you, I'd have to keep my eyes on you. Unless I was really trained, I could do a look-away pass. And that only came through practice and through training. As always, when you always study the Word of God, or you want preparing to give a message, 99% of the time it's for the person that's doing the preparing. And as I studied this and prepared it, I was saying, what are my eyes on? 24-7, 365. Is it always on Jesus? Or is it on other things? Is it on people, places, things, circumstances? What is gaining my attention? What am I focused on? And how is that affecting my decisions, my heartbeat, where I, the path that it's taken me. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. How many of us have learned and grown from instruction? Every single one of us. How do I know that? Because I've seen you eat. I've seen you eat food. And you learned that because somebody modeled it and helped you to do that. Somebody instructed you on the way that you should go. 
And we can apply that into hundreds of situations in our lives, can't we? Of ways people have taught us and instructed us. Now we have here in the Psalms that God says, I will instruct you. What better teacher? What better instructor that can you have? Kids are paying, not kids, I wish it was kids. Parents are paying thousands of dollars to send their kids, whether it's to private high schools, elementary schools, colleges, universities. Why? To get the best instruction possible for their son or their daughter. And they hope that the money they're paying is going to reach their level of expectation. But how many times do you hear that when kids go away to college, it's guided by humanists, and they're forming them into a pattern that maybe you've established all your life, the Christ in them, and they're attacking the Jesus in them and, and the Bible and trying to discredit it. Yet we have here before us the greatest instruction manual that was ever made, and it's God's. And he's given us it to instruct us, to teach us the way that we should go. He wants to teach you, as it says in that first verse, that's you individually. That's just you. He wants to teach you. Why? Well, one, he loves you. He wants to share his heart with you. He wants to share his purpose for you. He wants to give you a direction to go in your life, whether you're young, middle-aged, or older, doesn't matter. And what a crossroads that we're at as a church. Think about it. Think what's happening. Total God, as Pastor Joe said last Sunday. It's all God. It's insane what's going on when you think about it. How do, this stuff doesn't happen every day. And God is shining his light like that guiding star back a long time ago to the shepherds and to the magi. And he's putting it over Jamesburg. What's going to happen there? I get chills thinking about it. What's going to happen there? What's going on there right now to that single mom, single dad? That uh, maybe that kid that's really struggling with a suicidal thought or that's hooked on sex or drugs or alcohol. What's going on? What's going on in the hearts of that community that this church is right in? It's exciting. But I want to encourage you. One of the things I want to just push towards your way tonight is encouragement that God wants to do a new work in a new place. He's folding up, right? The cloud's moving. And it's only moving several miles, but it's moving. And we're following it. And what's going to happen on Resurrection Sunday and thereafter? It's an exciting time. But it's also a time that I want to just also warn you. And Dave prayed it tonight. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't look at the building. 
Don't look at some new fresh smells. But pray for Jamesburg. Pray for the people that you're going to pass on the streets. Pray for the people that we don't see that are in those homes. That God knocks down the walls and draws them to a church where God's word is going to be fed to them and that they need more than anything else in their lives. He wants to instruct you and teach you. Let no one else be your instructor. Don't let anybody else be your teacher. But God and his Holy Spirit through his word. He wants to guide us in the way we should go. Are you not sure where God wants to send you with this new move of the church? Maybe the last few years, right here, you felt like, hey, how can God use me? I don't really feel like he's using me enough. Well, he wants to show you the way you should go. And as a coach, I want to tell you something. Take a chance. Take a chance on that thing you're not too sure of. Because who's going to enable you to do it? You or God? Are your eyes on maybe past experiences? Are your eyes on people? I don't know if I can work with her. I don't know if I can work with him. Who's it going to enable you to deal with the people that maybe God is stirring up your heart to take an adventure in that area. And what do you got to lose? But more importantly, what do you got to gain that you'll never know about until you step out? That's what's so great about Peter, right? When he was in the boat. You can never forget about the other guys that hung out in the boat. But Peter, be a Peter. Go out on the water. But remember, when you go out on the water, there's going to be a tendency for you to look at other things besides Jesus. Keep your eye focused on Jesus. Don't worry about everything else that's going around, whether it's the sunshine, whether it's the rain, whether it's the waves, whether it's the people, whether it's the uncertainty of the situation you're in, but you just trust God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith, and your faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. So as you continue to get instructed from his word, you will see your path more clearly. You'll have that uh, a leading of the Holy Spirit to jump into those things that maybe you're not sure of, but again, it's not you. Remember, it's God's in you that's going to accomplish the thing that he puts on your heart. You as a parent, or if you're a teacher or a coach, but you've done this as parents, your children... Know, if you look at them a certain way, what you're communicating to them through your eyes. I know right now I'm coaching softball. One day Ashley was on base and I didn't want to say anything to her, but she looked at me and I just did this with my eyes. She was on third base and I just went like this with my eyes. I moved them towards home plate because I saw something that the catcher was doing, lobbing the ball back very slow to the pitcher and stepping away from home plate and moving up the line a little bit and throwing it. 
Lashley read my eyes. And the next time there was a pitch, the catcher threw it, and Ashley took off. She, everybody was shocked, the pitcher and the catcher. There wasn't even a play at her on her at the plate. She was safe. She, just, she didn't have to slide or anything. She just ran across home. And in this verse 8, it says, I will guide you with my eye. When you know someone well enough and been around them long enough, you can tell something when they're trying to communicate with you. And God tells us that he will guide you with his eyes. Can you follow the leading of his spirit because you know him so good? And don't feel bad if you say, well, I never really had that experience with God. God wants to do a new work where you are more sensitive to the leading of his spirit. So take advantage of that. That's his will for you and me. That's not something you have to hope for. That's what God's perfect will is for you, that you would read him and his Holy Spirit and where he's trying to send you and have you do. Verse 9, do not be like the horse or like the mule. My name would be Vincent Mule Whitehead (laughs) if I lived in the Old Testament days. Stubborn, hard-headed. It took so long for the Lord to get through to my heart, and there's still times that I'm a mule. But I'm less of a mule today than I was in the past. (laughs) And thank God for what he's done. But the stubbornness, do you find that in your heart? That stubborn spirit that just wants to always fight. And and just like here, don't be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding. Remember, God is the ultimate teacher. He's the one who wants to instruct us. But if we're not willing to learn and we're not taken in learning, we have no understanding. We have no clue. We don't even know what's happening. So what does God do when we don't have that understanding? When we're mule-headed, hard-hearted, Then what he does, he says, now you must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle. And I looked up on the Blue Letter Bible uh, the word bit, and one of the definitions was the authority. Like there had to be an authority that comes into your life to get you on the right path. You know, that bit and bridle that the horse or mule has, if you're riding it or leading it, it doesn't want to go. You have to pull it with the rein, and it's uncomfortable to the horse or the mule, and he doesn't want that hurt, so he goes with it. Man, how many times have I been hurt in the discomfort and the pain of being stubborn and mule-headed that there had to be affliction in my life for me to fall on my knees, repent, and ask God to guide me again? And guess what? He did all the time. And he does not want to use the bit in the bridle, but he loves you and me so much, he'll do it. And that's the awesome thing about God. Why does it have to go to that length, though? You're here tonight because you love the Lord, you want to praise as a body of Christ, and you want to get nourished from God's word. 
right? That's it. Fellowship, meet some people that you don't know or haven't seen much of. That's awesome. That's God's Holy Spirit guiding you and you're following his lead. Praise God for that. That's awesome. Six billion people aren't being led by that. God has called you separate. He set you apart. And you're listening to his voice. But he's not done. He still wants to do more, more exciting things in each of our lives. In Psalm 33, 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Fearing God, do you take God seriously? Do you take God at his word? Ashley, if you don't come to practice tomorrow, you're not going to play in the next game. Does Ashley take me at my word? Do we take God that, as serious? Do we cling to his word? Do we hang on to it? Or do we become mule-hearted, mule-headed, mule-hearted, stubborn, and fight against him that he has to pull us that way and teach us? In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. Do you, do I, live self-controlled lives? Or are our eyes all over the place? We get carried over here because what we see. We get carried over there because what we see. Or do we stay steady and true to the mark? Do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Or do we get pulled and distracted? Do we live righteously? Do we live righteous standings with people that are around us? Do we understand that we are servants and witnesses for Jesus Christ? That we might be, right, the only Bible people ever read. They read you. They read me. That might be the only Bible. That might be the closest they get to understanding who Jesus is. 
And as I said just a few minutes ago, godly, do you take God serious? Do you take him at his word? Are you looking for the blessed hope? Where are your eyes focused? Are you looking for the blessed hope? That hope is not in heaven. It's not in glory. It's not in Jamesburg. It wasn't down the road. It's in Jesus Christ himself. The person of Jesus. Do you want to see him face to face? Do you want to get closer than you've ever been to him? He desires that for each of us. Do you look for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior? Will it be today? Will it be right now? Right now. Right now. It says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Remember when you were kids, you play hide and seek? Somebody was it. Okay, I'm going to count to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if I didn't cheat and I didn't look through my fingers, I was like this. And when I opened up, I was alert. I was looking around. I was looking, oh, there's a door open. There's a closet down there. Someone, that door just creaked. So I'm alert and looking. I'm diligently looking for each of you. I want to get you. I don't want to lose. I want to be the one to hide in next. Do we seek the Lord that way? Do we open up his word and say, oh, Lord, I want to find it. I want to, I want to come after. Show me what you have for me today. Just let it jump off the pages. Let me just take it in. Let me use it today. Are you excited about his word? Or is it, oh, I'm going to get up at 5.30 tomorrow morning. I'm going to read for at least 16 minutes and 43 seconds. I'm going to try to do that tomorrow. 16 minutes and 43 seconds. Matthew 13, 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Mark 8, 23. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. This is Mark 8, 23. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Lord, spit in my eyes if they need to be open more. Put the mud in. Whatever you got to do. Open my eyes so I can see you more clearly. I want to see you greater now than I did 10 minutes ago. I want to see you more clearly. Open my eyes. Let me see you, Jesus. Ephesians 1.18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling... What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You are not going to be alone in heaven. Look around. You're going to see these faces in heaven. 
You're going to see people, your loved ones who died in the Lord. You're going to see them in heaven. There's going to be a great multitude there. But we're going to know like Moses. And we're going to know uh, all the saints. That's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be an awesome eternity to see all these people. But we have saints with us right around us. Do we take advantage of that? Do we get to know each other in a way that blesses them and blesses us? Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone. Pray for the people in front of you, next to you, behind you, whether it's here in church. It doesn't matter. Just pray for them. Just send up a prayer to the Lord. Eyes are very deceptive also. We see that in Genesis 3, 5, where it says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. In Genesis 13.10, it talks about Lot, how he lifted up his eyes, and he saw all the plains of the Jordan, how it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like a garden. And he wanted that place because it looked so good. We see it with situation with Hagar, Abraham and Sarah. When Hagar conceived, Sarah saw that she had conceived and her mistress became despised in her eyes. How the eyes can just see something and the hatred and the bitterness can just grow there. But then in Psalm 25, it talks about the eyes. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. You ever get tangled up and try to get out of something, whether it's with your hands or your feet, and it just gets worse? You try to undo a cord or a rope, and you don't, even, you don't know if you're coming or going, trying to move it around. This verse here, your eyes are stayed on the Lord, and he'll pluck your feet out of the tanglement that you're in. Throughout the history of God's people, when the word of God is recovered and spread, then spiritual revival follows. It can begin simply as it did in the days of Josiah, with one man finding and reading and believing and spreading the word. When King Josiah heard the words of the book of the law, uh, law, it did a spiritual thing in Josiah's heart. The hearing of God's word had a spiritual impact on Josiah that affected not only him, but all the people under him. He tore his clothes, 
And the tearing of his clothes was a traditional expression of horror and astonishment. In the strongest possible way, Josiah showed his grief on his own account and on account of the nation. This was an expression of deep conviction and sin. And it was a good thing. Revival and spiritual awakening are marked by such expressions of emotion and reaction to God's word when it's preached. In the second evangelical awakening in Britain, one of the examples of what took place when God's word was preached and God's spirit fell on the place between 1859 and 1861 is what I'm about to read to you. And I thought of the effect if that were to happen today. And it affects, and it's directed at kids, but we know anything that's directed at kids and happens with uh, youth affects the adults. It stirs up the hearts of the adults in a way that's supernatural. At the commencement of the prayer meeting, a sturdy-looking man who had been coming to the chapel every night but going away hard in his heart jumped onto a form. And speaking out before all the people, said, Do you know me? The praying man answered, Yes. What am I then, he said. And they replied, You're a backslider. Well then, said he, I will be a backslider no longer. All of you come to Jesus with me. And he fell in an agony of prayer for God to have mercy on him. Indeed, the anguish and desire of his soul was too much for him, for he swooned away on the floor before them all. His wife was one of the first converted the previous week, and only that evening had sent up a request that God would save her husband who was a poor, miserable backslider. About 30 that night professed to obtain mercy. Now, in a town in Northern Ireland, a schoolboy was under so much conviction of sin that he couldn't continue on in class. The teacher sent him home in the company of another boy who was already converted. On the way home, two boys noticed an empty house and stopped there to pray. The unhappy boy found peace and returned to the classroom immediately to tell the teacher, I'm so happy I have the Lord Jesus in my heart. His testimony testimony had a striking effect on the class, and boy after boy slipped outside the classroom. The teacher peeked out the window and saw boys kneeling in prayer all around the schoolyard. The teacher was so convicted that he asked the first converted boy to minister to him. Finally, the whole school was in such a state that the administrator sent for pastors to come and minister to the students, teachers, and parents, and people were receiving ministry at the school until 11 o'clock that night. I believe that God wants to do a similar work. I think he has done it in many adults that I've met in the past five years. There's been a cleansing There's been a uh, revival in the hearts of the adults at our church. There's been a seriousness and a love for God's word. There's been growth spiritually. There's been some 
testing. There's been some falling away. But God is ready to move. And then you have the kids, the precious kids, regardless of the age, from the nursery all the way up to the uh, senior high teens, and even the young adults, the college kids, that are still searching, that are still looking for direction, that are still, Jesus is still not as real to them as he could be in most of their lives. I believe it's coming, everybody. I believe Jesus is going to do some great things. Keep yourselves pure. Keep yourselves holy. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Expect him to use you in a way that you could never imagine, never been used before. Because if we look at our country, if we look at what's going on in the world, It's like the days of King Nebuchadnezzar. The leaders do not honor Jesus Christ. They don't follow Jesus Christ. Many of the religions, even the religions that call themselves Christian, don't follow the Jesus of the Bible. God is calling us to be separate, to be a light, just like he has in generations past. It is a privilege to be on the same team as all of you. And if you don't feel like you're on that team, you need to just fall before the Lord, confess your sins, and ask him to use you in a way that he's never used you before. And that's only a prayer away. He wants to do that. That is his will for you and for me. Jesus, I thank you so much.